This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. What else could I be in but a manly Warthog Man Cave here in the Mellon Law Studio, protected all the time by crime prevention and supported by all our good sponsors and donors. We have donors who love us and give to us and we need it because we want to bring you the highest possible product we can bring you. And uh, we got a great guest today. He's been a, he's a, listen, he's about the only guy I trust with the show when I'm not here. And uh, I don't know whether that gives him a compliment or not, but uh, my good buddy, Tim Martin, whom you know uh, for a long, long time, he substituted for me on the show. Uh, he's also bringing the, uh, he's been the shoulder behind the Springs County effort, uh, but now he's just recently put on a new hat, and I'm so proud of him. I think that's going to be exciting. I invited him on to talk about it today. Tim Martin was recently elected to be your new chair of the Alachua County Republican Party by quite a number of votes, something like 60 to 30 or something like that, almost doubled. And I, I say that as a vote of confidence and uh, a directive to take the helm and do what you can with it, Tim. Ed Brady was a good friend. Uh, he was the chair before. You know, Ed and I have been around a long time. I thought Ed was possibly, maybe, probably the best mayor that Gainesville ever had. And when I was on the radio, I had a powdered donut Wednesday session with Ed. And Ed always came in, and Ed was always very informative. So I can tell you by Tim Martin uh, running, and this time it was between Tim and Ed, and Tim winning. So, you know, things uh, happen for the best. And uh, Ed certainly has served well. And now Tim is at the helm. We're going to invite him to talk today about some of his plans, what his vision is for the county uh, Republican Party, and any chat line questions you've got, I'll be watching them. So, Tim, welcome back, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here and excited to steer the ship here in this new chapter of the Republican Party in Alachua County. Well, you're certainly the guy to do it. So uh, let's uh, have a conversation about what you think you've got on your plate and what you want to do. Sure, sure. Well, internally, what I was talking about with the party was really just kind of trying to at least focus on four main areas. And I don't mean to sound like a stump speech, but it's a little repetitive in my head now. (laughs) It's uh, just really creating a family-friendly atmosphere within the RPOF uh, here in Alachua County. Uh, both in our events, our deliberate events that are family friendly, as well as sort of the meetings as much as possible. I really felt called to uh, really, really kind of walk the walk and talk the talk. If we're going to say we're family friendly, I wanted to be that as much as possible. Uh, One of the other initiatives that I really wanted to take time and be a little bit more deliberate about is a candidate mentorship program. I've been involved with the party now here locally for a number of years, and there's a lot of people that will come and go to the party thinking that it's the place to come uh, to be a candidate. Well, it, it's a little bit more than that. It takes a lot more sort of training and a little bit more expertise in the field to do it. Uh, so I wanted to be a little bit more deliberate. So anybody who felt called to do that and wanted to step up had a home and a foundation from which to build uh, their campaign uh, around. Uh, another thing that I wanted to do was talk about having city clubs. It, the main purpose for the party is really to provide infrastructure, bodies, soldiers uh, for the larger effort. We're a, kind of a subset of the state party, but Alachua County is pretty big. It's 560,000 square, mi- square acres. So it's pretty big. It's hard to get around uh, to a lot of the places. You know, where I live, it could take me an hour to get over to Hawthorne. Well, if we could stand up some city clubs, we could start having a little bit more volunteer presence in those 
corners of the county that are hard to get to and uh, by and large kind of feel a little bit underserved. I've looked at the numbers and I know a lot of the Republicans are living in those areas. So wanted to just be a little bit more forceful as how how we can address them and provide them avenues to get involved because I wanted them, you know, not only to you know, have a home, but I wanted them to feel wanted and we want them to feel like they can make a difference. Uh, and I think that is what transitions the person off the couch and onto the street and start to actually do something. And then the other thing that I wanted to do was really kind of focus on year round efforts. Uh, you know, the cities in Alachua County have elections all year round uh, at different points. So if we can sort of smooth out the peaks and the valleys of standing up campaigns and campaign efforts and then taking them down. Uh, it, it just creates a less manic effect that volunteers, by and large, it's hard to deal with that kind of stuff. If you're kind of a political wonk, it's sort of what drives you. It kind of gets you up in the morning, uh, but that's not the, the case for everybody. Uh, so I, I hope that we can do some more of that stuff. And it also will provide a little bit of foundation for people who want to work on campaigns uh, maybe younger people in college, you know, they're interested in campaigns, don't know how to do it. This can be sort of uh, like farm league uh, for doing other stuff and create a pipeline and a bench for both not only candidates, but volunteers as well. So those are kind of the four main points. Again, year-round uh, efforts, uh, city clubs, more deliberate uh, candidate mentorship programs, and being more fam family-friendly. Well, you're certainly uh, speaking to some of the things that I hear from people who are Republicans and they say, well, I don't get enough information. I didn't know that was happening. Right. Uh, where would I learn about this? Susan, you know, don't they have any way to communicate with me? Um, and, you know, it's it's certainly if you can pull that off, you're really doing a great service to people who are currently underserved. And might I also direct your attention to someplace you probably have already looked knowing you. Uh, what a student you are of uh, data and analyzing and all that. Marion County. Mm -hmm. When I was broadcasting in Marion County on the radio a few years ago, I became pretty well known to the Republican Party in Marion County. And Republican Party now is the strong party in Marion County, uh, which is the flip side of what we have here. But they right. weren't always the strong party. Right. They were also under the Democrat thumb. For quite a while, but largely due to the reorganizational efforts of one person, by the way, who began to organize exactly sort of the way you're talking at club level and grassroots and keeping people engaged. They built this. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but because the infrastructure was so solid, you just about can't take it away now. Yeah. And um, there's a couple of people I can have you talk to down there. If you haven't already talked to them, you probably yeah. will know them. If you're, I'm sure you knowing you, you will. But, buddy, they have really got an infrastructure for the party in place, which we sure. haven't had here. Sure. Well, the reality is, Ward, uh, I believe there's about a thousand. No, it's got to be more than that. But maybe it's about a thousand people a day that are actually moving to Florida uh, because of some of the efforts that our Republican governor DeSantis has put forward. So it's obviously attracting people who are sort of like minded. What Alachua County looks like today is not what Alachua County is going to look like in 10 years. Uh, so I'd like to think that we're actually building uh, sort of the next chapter within within Alachua County, because I think with those dynamics in mind, we need to kind of govern ourselves accordingly. We need to be bold. We need to be unapologetic and we need to get our message out there as much as possible, because the reality is our message is is better than the liberals. It's better than the Democrats. Uh, you know, those people are completely off the reservation, as they say. And uh, we, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to hold back, in my opinion. Uh, so all of that sort of is coming through this filter of kind of the thinking of my approach. And it, this isn't completely mine. I'm not going to take, uh, you know, complete credit for it, because it's, it's a looking around, looking at the tea leaves, and kind of, uh, taking the bull by the horns and and going forward and seeing what we can we can make of it because you're right there's a lot of people uh, there's over forty thousand registered Republicans in Alachua County so there's a huge pool of people that we can pull from 
And it only takes a few. I mean, you can see, like you mentioned, this lady in Marion County, it only takes one or two. And it's amazing what one or two people placed in the right you know, situation can. I mean, look, just look at the House Speaker race recently. You had essentially 20 holdouts that were completely holding up the whole train. And I didn't mind because I know when Washington's not doing anything, they're not, uh, you know, they're not beating yeah. us up and taking our, ta- you know, taking right. our money from us. So it didn't really matter to me that it was held up. But uh, it's a testimony to what just a few people can actually get accomplished. And I think that's a great story to tell. And I, I have told everybody at the meeting, you know, over the last you know month or so, look, we need to start writing our own story. We have internal customers and we have external customers, but we need to be writing our own story, uh, bar none. We don't need to have anybody else writing it for us. It needs to come from our mouths, our hand, uh, and our and our brains and our hearts. Um, here's a conversation that we might respond to from a, one of our uh, good fans of the show. Uh, how do you counter the good part of the vote here in Alachua County, which is made up of university students and liberal professors? Well, the data shows that, uh, ironically, the students, by and large, do not make up a large part of the voting base. They're large in numbers, but if you look at the turnouts, it's not as overwhelming as as we would think. Uh, sure, there's their blips when there's a you know an Obama once in a generation sort of candidate that that blips the numbers up a little bit. Uh, but I look at them and I don't think that they're completely uh, as you know reputation may have. It's a little underwhelming, believe it or not, when I when you look at it. Well, it's a joke, you know. They only vote whenever they have a conversation about when the bars close. But yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> well, know, here's the thing. Here, here's an angle with regards to the city clubs. You know, obviously, I sit on the city council in Newberry, and I've been able to see what sort of impact we can have as a city commission on the county. If we stand up city clubs, they can have an impact on who sits on that city commission. Those city commissions, in turn, can work through the League of Cities to really counter any of this leftist push from the county without having a single county commissioner in that chamber. I just, I've seen the dynamics. I know how they could potentially work. So that's also a benefit of this whole concept of the city clubs and standing them up. And they may be sanctioned Republican clubs, or they just might be, you know, Republican leaning unsanctioned clubs. But as long as they fit the narrative and can do the work when it comes time to do the work, that's really the key. Uh, element there. You know, there are a lot of worker bees that I know who turn out to work on the black tie blue jeans and then oh, yeah. nobody really ever taps into them after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They kind of come out and call upon for that one effort, which was enormously successful this year in terms of numbers and fundraising and all that. Let's talk about that event. Um, what do you see coming going forward with black tie blue jeans? Well, <laughs> I, I'm really trying to decide whether or not we want to keep it in October, believe it or not, because it takes up so many volunteer hours that could otherwise be used two weeks, three weeks, four weeks before a general election. Uh, so that's something that we need to take a look at and maybe move that more towards the spring uh, to free up those volunteer hours to do other things uh, throughout the year. I think I'm not completely settled on that, and uh, there's you know some other decisions that are made around that. Obviously, people are very geared up, and they're kind of hyped at election time right before the general. Uh, but uh, I don't know. That's just kind of it's kind of working in my brain right now. Well, that's an interesting point. The timing of the event. Yeah. Um, it does seem as if it occurs along with a lot of other, shall we say, hoopla in the community. Football season and um, yes. Halloween yes. and. A bunch yep. of stuff uh, con- uh, kind of comes about at that time. A lot of competition for our time in the fall here in this county, for sure. Yeah, but it's an amazing turnout. And it seems to, of course, DeSantis was a big draw. Yep. So that's always a yep. challenge to get the big, the, the right speaker in there. Yeah. Um, that was a huge draw. Um, yeah. To what extent do you uh, feel the, I was thinking about a local success story of somebody who started out as a worker bee here and is now the press secretary for DeSantis, and that's Brian Griffin. Yeah. Um, I knew Brian when he was a student here. Uh-huh. And he's just always been a hard worker, been participating. I know there are more of those type people sure. out there in the, in, the, uh, in the loop somewhere. 
Oh, sure. I know one who's an accountant for the RPOF of Florida now. Uh, and I'm sure there are other stories like that. And, uh, I'll, I'll need to write that down because, you know, when I talk about telling our story, that's the things that we need to highlight and bring to people's attention. Yeah, Brian went to University of Florida Law School, and uh, he was an avid Ward Scott Files fan. That's how I got to know him. And uh, now, by golly, I look up, and he's uh, DeSantis' press secretary. So <laughs> yeah, and he's a very articulate, very bright, very disciplined fellow. Yeah. Um, and, well, I'm taking – yeah, I, I'm yeah. kind of taking it all in stride and, and just starting to kind of digest. I'm listening to a lot of people because everybody has a lot of great ideas – uh, it's just a matter of what's the bandwidth of the organization to sort of implement some of these things. We want to do other fundraisers. Uh, we want to just do other events uh, in general uh, as well, you know, that kind of fit the theme of what we are all about. And the family-friendly f- sort of angle always is is filtering there, in there. Uh, and I think what might end up with sort of you know, two different sort of um, – you know, meetings, I guess you could say, on a monthly basis. I think we'll probably end up with some sort of an organizational meeting uh, that's a little bit more uh, just administrative. And then I think maybe uh, I'd like to look into maybe even having a Saturday sort of focused Saturday morning where maybe we all get together that's sort of like Republican Extra and turn that into you know, educational opportunity, turn it into, hey, let's go out and beautify our community with a trash pickup or go door knocking when it's campaign season, uh, all those sorts of things. I am, I'm kind of in my head, I've got this mental whiteboard that's got a lot of stuff on it, and we just need to start check, need to start checking it off. And I want people to plug in as much as possible. So, you know, feel free to get in touch with the party at alatuarepublicans.com and make sure we know that you're out there and you're ready to go do something. Well, you know, it's uh, exciting to hear you talking about organization at that level. And speaking of organization, got a question here for you. You're uh-huh. tremendously uh, behind the organization of the Springs County movement. Oh, yeah. How much can you bring that over to the Republican Party? Well, look, you know, some of it is just being able to get out and talk to people. Being the chair of the Republican Party, it opens up a whole other set of doors, I think, for the Springs County effort. And one of the things that I like about Springs County is it addresses almost every single thing that comes up that's a frustration point for people who don't think like the Gainesville elite. And uh, whether it's the GMA, whether it's the single-member districts, whether it's taxation, whether it's regulation, uh, whether it's just dealing with the the building codes and the you know, the duplicitous uh, EPA that the county has, all of those things are reset under a Springs County umbrella where we can just rebuild the house exactly the way that we want from the foundation to the walls, to the roof, and then internally. I'd love, I just, I have always been in that trajectory with Springs County. I still remain that way. Uh, myself and uh, another person, we were actually just looking at the financial analysis, doing some final edits on that the other day, uh, just by way of update. Uh, and that's looking even better. Uh, we also just sort of uh, started looking at the zoning categories within what would be Springs County, what sort of acreage that is in each of those zoning categories. So we have a team of a few people that are kind of working on that. And it's a little bit modeled off. If you look under Florida statutes, there's a way to incorporate. See, here's the other thing with Springs County. <laughs> in the statutes, there's a way to incorporate cities and de-incorporate cities. But there is no chapter about how to stand up a county or to dissolve a county. And if we could, even if it takes us a little extra time, create that blueprint for doing so, I think Springs County is a perfect avenue to do that because I know of at least two other places in the state that want their own county as well. And there's sort of, I'm sure, been even if an unconscious uh, mentality in Tallahassee of, you know, creating the wheel, not even just recreating the wheel. Let's, you know, how do you even create the wheel to begin with? So I think if we can do it right, even if it takes a little bit of extra time and provide the confidence for the legislature to be able to start doing that. And I still fall back on Georgia for crying out loud. Georgia has half the people 
and twice the county. So don't tell me that it can't be done. <laughs> Boy, it sure does have a, a, a plethora of, of counties, doesn't it? I mean, oh, oh my yeah. golly. You know. And it's all, and, and from what I understand historically, it was all created be, because you had this uh, bifurcation of mentality within people and within people groups that didn't want to listen to so-and-so. So they stood up their own county and that's all oversimplistic, but you get the idea. Absolutely. We're talking with Tim Martin now, whom you may know from several hats. He's been an organizer behind the Springs County effort. He's also a Newberry city commissioner. Mm-hmm. which has not hurt him a bit in terms of learning how government works, I assure you. And yeah. he's been, most of all, my substitute from time to time on the show. That alone gives him high high marks. But uh, he's now the chair of the Alachua County Republican Party and won really uh, about double the positive votes against the, uh, the other people's votes. And he replaced Ed Braddy, a good friend, been there a long time. Ed has uh, been uh, certainly uh, welcome on the Ward Scott Files. He was... Uh, uh, powdered donut Wednesday when uh, Ed was the mayor of Gainesville. And I think he was a great mayor, by the way. Um, but now we have Tim Martin. We have the future to look to. And if people want to get a hold of you and get involved, what's the best way for them to do that, Tim? Uh, I'll give you my phone number. It's 352-474-1022. Uh, my email is tmartinusa at gmail.com. I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. Of course, I have some official capacities, like you mentioned, uh, at the city, and uh, I'm not hard to find. I don't shy away from anybody. I answer the phone if it rings, and I'm available, so I'm pretty easy. I'm on Facebook at Tim Martin. Uh, I do not have aliases, so despite what anybody (laughs) tries to tell you, I do not have aliases. I don't believe in them. Uh, I feel like if you're going to speak your mind, you need to do it from your original voice, and I... I just don't hide behind aliases. I'm sure there's a lot of people that do it. Just kind of not my style. That's all. I think you're one of the most transparent people I know. And you're really there, very accessible. And basically, my friends, what you see with Tim is what you get. Uh, you don't get a version that somebody else doesn't get. Uh, he's not multifaceted like that, as many people are. That's one of the things which is annoying to some. You know, a politician often will say one thing to one group and rephrase it and say it a different way to another I don't think that's your style at all. What you say is what you've studied. Now, you're a study person, too. What I like is you research, you analyze, you know the data. Uh, you're not bringing a knee-jerk reaction to an emotional kind of position. It's a, a reasoned uh, position that's been ar- arrived at from cautious kind of deliberation. That's what I like. Yeah, I think it, ser- it has served me well. It, it's just kind of... Uh, you know, as I've gotten as I've gotten older, this is the groove in my lane, and I just kind of stick in in it. Uh, I kind of know my strengths and I know my weaknesses, so I just kind of go about it that way. And one of the reasons that I wanted to run for chair of the party was because I looked around the room and I was kind of taking inventory of everybody else's talents uh, and weaknesses as well. And I just thought that, uh, hey, here's an opportunity. I'm going to make myself available. If people agree, fine. If they don't. Uh, fine, I've got other stuff to occupy my time and energy as well. You know, even my, you know, believe it or not, I actually have a job too. I'm a fundraiser for the John Birch Society, uh, so that takes me on uh, a lot of road trips. Uh, today, after the show, I'm going to be headed out to Georgia and North Alabama. But all of this stuff is where I have picked up a lot of ideas. I meet a lot of people. I see what's working. Uh, all across the country. I, I handle everything from here to Maine and over to the Mississippi River. And it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting time really to be involved in the quote unquote liberty patriot movement or that sort of thing, because, you know, the the Bidens of the world, you know, this whole globalist mentality that they're trying to push down from the World Economic Forum and the United Nations is very relevant and very apparent to people and it's really uh, stirring up people like I've never seen before. I'm just, I'll be, well, I'll be 51 in June, uh, but I haven't seen it like this before. And it's very, very, very invigorating. And I just, I love it. I really enjoy it. This is just, this is like a 24-7 thing for me. I'm always thinking, always talking. Uh, I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm up <laughs> for an hour and a half talking and thinking to myself about, hey, this would work or this could work or I need to get in touch with that person. Uh, but I enjoy it. And I think back to, uh, believe it or not, our founding fathers and, you know, they gave up so much 
it is it is it's crazy to me to think what sacrifices they made and sometimes i'll talk to somebody and man they just don't want to do a single thing and it's it's very frustrating but hey you know the law of averages and large groups you know it used to be an 80 20 rule uh, sometimes i think nowadays it's about a 90 10 rule of you know people that are actually working but uh you know, but you know, so, so be it. You, you gotta, you gotta take people from, you gotta take people where they are, and sort of try to serve that customer. Yeah, and I certainly have communicated with you from the hinterlands. I've talked with you, and you're on a plane in Massachusetts. You really are yeah. getting around. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so here's one question that we always talk about. Yeah. There are a lot of closet Republicans in this community. We oh, know sure. it. Yeah. They play. They're Democrats because. They get to vote and uh, they don't necessarily know what they're voting for. Don't get me wrong, because they ask me, they'll, they'll ask me, ask me whom to vote for. And it's not that, why golly, you know, you're in the party of knowledge and I always tease them. But they, I have this feeling that everybody loves a winner. And when they, when they, you know, with a coach, when a coach is a winner, he has to turn prospects away. They want oh, yeah. to come and be under that coach. If we can get the thing turned where Republican Party is a winner, I think we'll be able to peel off quite a few of those um, closet Democrats, if you will. That's an un, that's a real nest egg of potential strength there. Oh, with, without question, absolutely. And I've, I've, yeah, the whole idea of oh, I just need to register as a Democrat so I can actually have some sort of an impact here. Um, if we can create an environment that people want to be involved in, then that's going to attract people. Like you said, uh, we'll be uh, like a magnet or moths to a flame and it'll attract people. But we have to understand as a leadership team to be able to, uh, to meet that need. You can't create the need and then <laughs> not be able to fill it. So right. it's very important from a leadership standpoint to be able to, to fill that need. And again, thinking out over the horizon, where we are right now is not where we're going to be in five years. It's definitely not going to be where we are in 10 years. Uh, so that's that's going to filter in. But I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier, we have the right approach to government. I've seen it work. I know that it works. And we, you know, it's kind of funny because the liberal wants to impose their mentality on us. From my standpoint, from a freedom standpoint, hey, you can go do whatever you want. I'm not forcing freedom upon you. But the fact is, my approach serves all the customers. You can go do what you want. You can go do what you want. You can go do what you want. But the liberals and the the uh, the socialists and the Marxists downtown, you know, they want to impose their opinion upon you and make you operate the way they operate. And it's just it's not how people mentally check boxes it's just not how they're going to operate so you're going to constantly have this friction they play on the friction and they try to create more friction and that's really never what government was intended to be it was supposed to be just this also ran sort of thing that was off on the side uh, but boy today it is way too big it's way too expensive and gosh darn it you can tell by the by the algorithms that's way too intrusive nowadays and it's just getting worse and worse. And until people are willing to stand up and do something, then uh, it's going to continue. And I think the tide is changing. I see the tide changing and I, I just like to be out on, on the forefront of that and bring as many people along with me as possible. That's what makes me excited. Along with Tim Martin, a newly elected chair of the Lachlan County Republican party. Uh, people sure put their uh, future trust in him by an overwhelming majority there on his vote. And he's certainly speaking, I don't got to say this, from the most chairmanship looking setting. <laughs> <laughs> I love this setting. I mean, I uh, want to steal it somehow, some way. What is it? Is it the American flag back there? Yeah, the flag and the, <laughs> and the, the, the you know, the whole thing, you know, you got the windows behind you and uh, I, I, I know how, technically accomplished you are. You've got a state-of-the-art microphone there, which I'm going to go out and, and upgrade to um, as, as soon as you tell me after the air what I'm getting again. Oh, sure. I really like the quality of the voice you're coming through with. And um, it's, it's so it's been really a trouble-free fun here uh, to talk with you. Well, people and, need to do donate to the show because it's about $200 microphone. 
That's right. <laughs> Thank you for that plug. It's yeah, a go over to the word scottfiles.com. Donate yeah, it's click a, here. It's a two hundred dollar two hundred dollar microphone. Wow. That's way well, we've been getting by with a tin can and a string, so <laughs> we well, got, we know that's not true, but not quite, not quite. But uh, I certainly like the quality of that uh, that voice. And you told me before we went on the air what that microphone was. And thanks for the plug. <laughs> well, you got busy things to do today, and you agreed to join us for a half an hour. And it's our best half hour to have you that long. And we want to get you back once in a while. Uh, I want you to invite you to, as I do. I would do the same thing for the Democrat Party, by the way. If they want to come on with their chair and talk about what they're doing, I mean, this is a community forum. Um, thing is, they never, they never ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, I know they secretly listen because they want to know what's going on, but they never oh, yeah. approach me. Never, you know, they, they, this is their forum too. I'm not, I'm not uh, going to, you know, censor that for crying out loud. I don't believe in censorship, but uh, <laughs> the uh, plantation mark, bless his heart. He says he's got the mic covered. <laughs> <laughs> if we had another, if we had another dozen plantation marks, we would be home free. He's one of the greatest guys he and his family that I've known for years. I mean, known for years. They're wonderful people, and uh, I know there are more plantation marks here locally. Tim, we'll find them, and uh, they oh, yeah. will be, be, be definitely in your army. So, uh, thanks. Yeah, so- the reality is it takes money and members. Uh, everything takes money and members. You got to have one without the other. It's the only way that the ball moves down the field. And that's just that's just the reality. So if you're in a position to financially support things like the show, uh, things like these other organizations, uh, you know, please do. And if it's time or talent that you have, every organization needs one of those too. Everybody can do something. And I hope that's kind of the environment that we can build here with the Alatra County Republican Party. Well, I'm really proud of you taking uh, the helm and standing and volunteering, so to speak, for looking around the room, deciding, well, give me a shot at it. And I think it's going to be well received and you'll do a great job. Well, we're thank you very much. Thank you, Tim, for coming on. We're going to take a break now for the uh, weather and our sponsors. And we'll be back. And Tim, uh, thanks so much for uh, being around whenever I need to chat with you. So uh, have a great day. All right. Right back thank on you. Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. 
I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Good morning, good morning. Ward's weather report compliments of, of course, Lewis Oil, good friend Wendell Lewis. Um, golly, I, I hear tell we set a record here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida yesterday with a temperature, can you believe it, of 85 degrees. Crying out loud. And today it's going to be right up in there, according to what I'm looking at. Uh, and it's going to be around the same today. Now, we could get whiplashed. I mean, we could get back down to freezing and all that business, and perhaps we will. But when we just exited really kind of a chilly, frosty pasture uh, out here a few days ago. So I don't know what to tell you. So I went to looking about the weather at Groundhog Day. Now, I don't know if I can say this guy's name, but Hawksley, Phil, I mean, somebody help me. Uh, let me see, Punox Tawani, Phil, I'm sure you know the story. It's Groundhog Day uh, is coming up Thursday, believe it or not, when Phil will reveal whether he thinks there's going to be an early spring or six more weeks of winter. You know, this has always been a lot of fun, and he's going to emerge during what is roughly the midway point of astronomical winter at 7.20 a.m. Eastern time to see what he can see or not see. And the weather conditions play, believe it or not, a role in his verdict. Now, the legends that surround him is if the groundhog sees his shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. But if he doesn't, an early spring and above average temperatures are on the way. Thursday morning, in, uh, and this is a town, too, where it is, it's predicted to be cold and mostly cloudy in Penextony, Pennsylvania. I'm sure I'm butchering the name. With no snow concerns expected from a weather system that is coming across with a lot of ice and, and inclement weather. So we don't know if Phil will see it. But if uh, Phil is unlikely right now, they think, to see his shadow, which would predict, according to Phil, that we're headed for an early spring. Historically, though, he's more likely to see his shadow. He has seen his shadow 106 times, with no shadow 20 times. Ten years of that is missing, according to the records from 1887 through 2022. So based mostly on cloudy forecasts this year, it has a chance to join the rare no-shadow years. Now, overall, we know that Groundhog is not very accurate. And we know, truly, he has no predictive skill. But this is an organization that is having a lot of fun and has for a long time with what is known as the annual Groundhog Day event in western Pennsylvania. And Phil's accuracy from 2012 to 2021, according to the actual weather sophisticates has been about 40%. Last year, he saw his shadow and declared six more weeks of winter. He missed the mark a bit since the continental U.S. saw temperatures near average in February and above average in March. But Groundhog Day, if anybody asks you, began in 1886. There you go, my friends. Who would have thunk it? Huh? Groundhog Day. I've heard about it forever. Uh, and it's um, a lot of fun. Now, you know I do the Naked Rain Dance. And people swear that when I do it, it rains. The only thing is I don't have a dance to turn the rain off. So there you are. Take your pick what you want to believe. I do have a lot of fun doing it. And somebody prodded me to do it. I don't know who poked Phil to get him to do it. Well, 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 you know, I'm going to talk for a while about that, which you know a lot about already because it's been publicized because of the uh, cameras and partly because of our own um, uh, show devoted to the SWAT team uh, going uh, to the realtor's office. 
the whole question of police work is in the cultural uh, mouth of the nation. And no community escapes this conversation and no community is going to escape this kind of scrutiny. Um, just to give you a local example, uh, a young, uh, unfortunately, an a, a inmate died in the county jail here in Lodgeville County the other day. It is a jail. Let's not mistake it. Uh, you can make a tour through it. I have been through it several times uh, on tours, and it is not a place you want to spend any time in. Um, it is a place where bad people go, and that's where they stay until they may go somewhere else. And there are people who come there with health issues and unexpected things do happen in and out of jails. Now, the tendency is uh, to blame uh, the law enforcement people for not taking care of the inmates in the jail. Let's be sure we understand something about the Alachua County Jail. I think it goes back to Steve Ulrich, maybe before. I've done some research on it, and I'm not, uh, I'd have to go back and research a little more particularly. But the sheriff doesn't have to be in charge. The Alachua County Sheriff does not have to be in charge of the jail. Hear me. The jail belongs to the county commissioners. Because of prior agreements, the sheriff has taken over and become the custodian of the jail on behalf of the county commissioners. The administration of the jail has from time to time been under different people. Currently it is under a lady who has been there with the jail system for over 25 years, I think, so knows it very, very well. But invariably, it can become a kind of talking point for a commissioner. Currently, the chair of the commission has gone on record here saying, well, I don't know this, I don't know that about the jail. What the commissioner needs to understand is, commissioner, if you're so uncertain of the way these sheriffs take care of the jail, and this has been going on from several sheriffs, every time there is something untoward that occurs, the sheriff is taking a beating because it's convenient to do so quite often from the commissioners. So what the commission needs to understand, the sheriff doesn't need the headache. The sheriff has enough problems in these counties across the nation. There are 2,100 people, as I found out this morning from research from a former deputy, 2,100 cops on the Memphis police force. The Memphis police force is down 500 cops. Now that's enough for a chief or a sheriff to be concerned about without having to be concerned about the jail. If these commissioners have a beef about the jail, let them take it over. Furthermore, these sheriffs do not have exclusive, as I understand it, control over the contracts of the people who work in the jail. There's some sort of mutual responsibility for those contracts between the county commission and the sheriff. So the sheriff is not in charge totally of who works there, is what my understanding is right now. So this fashionable thing, all too easy to do, can muddy the issues rather than clear them up. The bottom line is, it is harder and harder to find good people to come into law enforcement. When I was on the radio, I interviewed the sheriffs, <clears throat> had them all in. 
I had um, the Levy County Sheriff, the Gilchrist County Sheriff, Lotswell County Sheriff, Marion County Sheriff. The problem they were voicing was that because of even then the bashing of law enforcement has resulted in them having to lower their standards for people who come into the profession. And one of the issues, believe it or not, is the literacy of those people who are in law enforcement. Now you say to yourself, what does it matter if the cop can read and write? I'll tell you what it matters. You have to write the report accurately of what happened because it could wind up in court. I have on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board an article I wrote called The Ride Along. You need to read it. If you want to know what it's like, you can go down to GPD, you can go down to ASO, and you can say, I'd like to do a ride along. And you ride along with the deputy or the police officer, and you watch, and you experience, and you will be amazed at all the different insults and I'm not a necessarily a blanket defender of the cops. There are bad cops, believe me. And we saw them. We saw them in action in Memphis. There have been bad cops in GPD. Believe me, I know that. I know who they are, were. Most of them are gone now. I can tell you the names of them. When Steve Ulrich was a sheriff, he told me, Ward, once upon a time, the sheriff would simply see a guy on a tractor in a field and stop and say, come on down, I'll deputize you. You can be one of my deputies. He said, I don't do that. He said, I have college graduates. But that's changed. From the time Steve was the sheriff to the time Clovis Watson Jr. is the sheriff, a lot of things have changed. One of the big things has changed, and I'm just picked this, up, this article off of London. The diversity and inclusion push from the woke leadership of the largest police force in Britain has seen that police force accept applicants who can barely write English. Now, they think it's noble to increase the number of ethnic minorities that are hired by Scotland Yard but not at the cost of lowering standards. Now, I can tell you right now in GPD who can't write. I'm not going to say the names because it would be embarrassing. You wouldn't believe it. I'm talking about clueless, could not pass my freshman English class, might never pass it, and yet rise in the ranks. And you say, what's that got to do with anything? It's got to do a lot with the qualifications of people that you attract to a profession. So throw in a diversity and inclusion card on top of it. With the emphasis on ethnic diversity, and you're going to possibly, as Scotland Yard has done, run into functionally illiterate people. Now you say, what is the correlation between functionally illiterate people and a propensity for violence? Well, if you're frustrated and you can't articulate your thoughts, you result to emotions. You, 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 refer, to, you uh, refer to emotions and you raise your voice or you accentuate your body gestures. We know this. Reasonable, pe reasonable people are not given to hysterical outbursts. This is almost a litmus test for the left, the hysterical outbursts, the overcharged emotions for a situation that doesn't call for that degree of emotion. So this is simply 
uh, something that's going on in, of course, of all places, Scotland Yard. Um, one of the interesting comments that I heard yesterday, I was watching The Five on Fox, the comedian, the guy who was there at uh, the end of the table, I've forgotten his name. He's the brightest guy there. And the judge is there. She's very, very bright. I would say she's the second brightest, maybe as bright as the comedian, but expresses herself differently. Both are very smart. The liberal, token liberal is almost always out to lunch and off base. But the comedian made a, a, you know, and the reason comedians are so smart is because they have wit. And wit is the highest form of intelligence. Bang, bang, bang. You see something instantly. You're able to see a hole in it, make fun of it. You are a very bright person if you are witty, if you are funny. And invariably in school, you can be the troublemaker. Not deliberately, but because you're so impatient with the pace of the rest of the students that to entertain yourself, uh, you have to do something to keep from being bored. Would it surprise you to know that I was the class clown, that I was always saying something? And listen, I was 15 when I was a senior. I was already bored in school. I mean, I had to wait on these other people. So, I mean, oftentimes I, I quipped. I can't even remember what all, I told you when I got in trouble with asking the lady why they used enriched on the side of the bread if they took all the good stuff out. That was in kindergarten. The comedian said an interesting point that I want to pass along to you. He notices, as you have, that these were all, I don't like the word black, but we're going to use it, black police officers kicking and beating a black victim. And he also made an excellent point. He speculates, hypothesizes that the reason the race card has not been played in the Memphis situation is because it's black on black. So what, he says, have they blamed it on the behavior of the black cops. They have blamed it on training. On training. Well, it can't be that the black cops were racist because they beat up a black guy. Ergo, it must be because they were poorly trained. So then the comedian raises the point. In Minneapolis, they could play the race card because it was a white cop and a black victim. Why didn't they in Minneapolis blame it on training? Great question. Great question. It left the other people around the the panel, around the table, including the judge, stunned. Of course we know the answer. Of course we know the answer. You can't blame it on racism when black cops beat up a black victim. You have to blame it on training. But you can blame it on racism when a white cop has a black victim. It's racism. Really? Good question. Is it not training? I mean, training would have you be able to handle a situation different. But it's not convenient, do you see? to the national narrative. 
great. I'm glad I caught that show. I'm really glad I caught that show. This guy is a very bright guy. He raises the most interesting point. Now, another point that's been raised by a fellow called Jason Whitlock may or may not catch my attention as much as the comedians did on Fox's Five. But he does say that the beating, this is Jason Whitlock on Tucker Carlson, does say that the beating was a clear-cut case of illegality by the accused law enforcement officers. However, he, being black, has noticed, and this might be a stretch, and that's why I'm not that quick to be all that much excited about it as I am about the comedians, that this is a culture of single mothers and the way in which they're raising their sons. This is coming from a black gentleman, Jason Whitlock. They invariably, these fellows, according to Whitlock, in these tense moments, call out for their mother. And where he's going with this is that what's missing in the behavior of black males, including the cops, is a father in the home. That's where Jason Whitlock is going. Even to the extent, he says, that Memphis has a black woman in charge of the police force. And therefore, that woman has to take some responsibility for the disunity and the chaos and the violence in her officers. I offer that to you because it's mentioned on a national show by national identity just as the other was. And they both address the factor in this story that keeps us perhaps from being able to look at it honestly and candidly. So I stitched those three situations together for you. I stitched together the Alachua County Jail which these sheriffs do not have to take care, uh, take, uh, take care of. These sheriffs can give these back to the commission. And I stitched that together with the fact that it's all being blamed on training in Memphis rather than racism. Shouldn't it have been training all the time? I take a look at the incident of the SWAT team. What kind of training did the person who changed that matrix from two to 10? That person, I think, is named in the federal lawsuit, and that person needs to be examined closely, one would think, reasonably could ask. What kind of training? We still don't know. And I went through the investigative report with you. And I could not find. And if it's under my nose and I missed it, I apologize. I could not find the professional rationale for taking a SWAT matrix from 2 to 10, which resulted in the SWAT team heavily armed and prepared for the most ultimate violence, making a routine visit to a realtor's office. 
I just ask those questions. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.